Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Amen. Okay, that may, um, if I get a little loud now, y'all let me know. But anyway, it's good to be here. I tell you, I love John. Uh, John Daniels, you're lucky to have a great pastor. He's not only a, he's not only a great pastor, he is just a just a fun man. He's just enjoyable to be around. He's got a precious wife, Vicky. All the kids take after her in looks. And I tell you, and hey, let me tell you, I tell John all the time, listen, in fact, John called me one night. He said, me and Vicky laying in the bed and we were just talking. He said, we decided if something happened to us, we want y'all, you and Sheila to adopt the kids. And I, I tell you what, I would adopt. I tried to get John to adopt me, but he wouldn't do it. But he's just a great guy. Is that all you want me to say, John? Is that about it? <laughs> I've got four kids, and they're all grown. I've got 16 grandkids, and uh, when they all get together at my house, it's like the preschool department. They're 13 and under, and uh, they just uh, they, they keep me busy. You know, you've had a lot of great preachers here. I, I know Chip was here Sunday. I love Chip. In fact, uh, I saw Chip last week in Primo's or in the last couple of weeks. He was standing in line, and I went by Chip Henderson and slipped his phone out of his pocket and uh, got a little ways off, and he jumped, and he reached back there, and he said, Jeff Parker, and I handed his phone. I said, I'm sorry, I've been in South Jackson too long. (laughs) I've been there 25 years. You get a little bit of the hood in you. Jackson is dangerous. Uh, anybody that knows that, anybody watches the news, you know, city's changing, it's in transition. I've been in the city at Southside on Raymond Road for 25 years this December, and I can tell you, it is a changing, dangerous city. My kids told me, they, they, they just finally said, I was attacked, John, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, homeless man, if I get in trouble, I'm going to get in trouble with homeless. Not that I'm getting in trouble with the homeless, it's because I'm protecting them. And uh, this man tried to strangle a homeless man, and so I came to his aid, and, uh, you know, and afterwards this guy came back with this spray bottle of stuff, and I don't know what it was, but he came up and he sprayed this caustic stuff in this homeless man's face, sprayed it in my face, and then he took off running. It was just crazy, and uh, I hollered and told him, my name's John Daniels. Don't make me have to come across here and get you. (laughs) But Jackson's dangerous. It's just different. My kids say, Dad, if you're not going to carry a gun, we want you to get a dog. So I got a dog. And uh, this dog is 15 weeks old. He stands about this high. He's a Dogo Argentino. And uh, these dogs are outlawed in Australia and some places. But anyway, I got this dog. And um, the guy that gave me this dog, like a $3,000 pup, the guy that gave me this dog told me, he said, this dog is used for hog hunting and can hold a 400-pound boar and hold it down so that you can kill it. And he said, it can also hold two medium-sized deacons if you need it. (laughs) But you know, uh, you've had a great revival, and I I don't want to get in the way of what God's doing. I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to turn to the Gospel of Mark. I'm not going to keep you long. But, uh, and I, I, I 
I pastor in a very, very different environment. We probably last Wednesday probably had about 40 young people. And I would say probably 95% of them were African American. God is doing things in the city of Jackson. Don't never doubt that. But I remember something that Harold Bryson said one time. Harold Bryson said this. He said he was doing a revival and he said uh, they, the church had been praying for a particular young man. He said during the invitation, that young man came down the aisle, gave his life to Christ. He said, man, the church just erupted. They were celebrating, so excited. He said the next night during the invitation, he said that young man came back down the aisle and he looked angry. He said he took the hand of Harold Bryce and he looked at him and he said, now you tell me how to survive. He said, I've tried to live the Christian life just 24 hours. He said, now I need to know how to survive. Can I ask you something? How do you keep revival? You know, a lot of times it's easy in an environment like this, but what happens when you go, when you go home, when you get back into the routine again? I want you to look at Mark chapter 4, verse 35, because I believe that this gives us, out of the life of Christ, a little bit of an indication of what it means to really hang on to revival. In Mark chapter 4, let's stand in honor of God's Word. Let's just stand. Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. It said, that day when evening came, He said to His disciples, let us, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took Him along just as He was in the boat. There were also other boats with Him. A furious storm came up and the waves began to break over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. I love this. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that, that we're about to drown? He got up. He rebuked the wind and the waves. He said, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down. It's completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And I, and I love this, John. They were terrified. They asked each other, who is this? That the wind and the waves obey him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you love us and Thank you, dear Lord, for a sweet, precious service. Lord, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would be so real, working in the hearts of every one of us. So, Lord, revival will not end tonight, but this will be the beginning, and that it will last all the way till you call us home. Lord, we love you. Pray you cleanse me, use me tonight. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You know, I love those two words. Uh, Jesus said, let us. Let me tell you something about how God works. Let me tell you what revival is. Revival is those two words right there. I wrote this down. I said, what? I said this. I said, um, revival is going everywhere with Jesus and nowhere without Him. When revival, when revival happens in your heart, it's going everywhere with Jesus and nowhere without Him. Think about it. Let us say it. Let us. 
Let us. You and Jesus. You and Jesus together. And let me tell you, that's when revival comes. When you feel the presence and the power of His Holy Spirit constantly just wrapping around you. You just, you just feel Him. He's close to you and you, you, and you, feel, you feel safe. You know, we live in a day of an enormous amount of fear. I'm, I'm counseling more than ever. And I see more young men that are filled with fear today. But let me tell you what God tells us. God tells us you and I are to only fear one thing, fear Him and fear nothing else. Do you remember Jesus every time He'd walk in, what did He say? You'd always go, fear not. Fear not. He didn't say shalom. He said, fear not. I think if He walked in this room right now, He'd tell you not to fear. Fear not. Revival is when you and I are saying those words constantly, Jesus led us. I, I love what Jim Henry said, the pastor of First Baptist Orlando for years. Jim Henry said that he'd get up every morning, he'd stand up by the side of the bed, he'd salute, and I'm former military, he'd salute, he'd look up toward the heavens, and he would say, private first class, Jim Henry reporting for duty. You know, people ask me all the time, they say, um, or is it safe in South Jackson? I always laugh. <laughs> when did we ever think God's will was safe? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about God's will. When you are in God's will doing what God has called you to do, yes, you are safe. Adrian Rogers made this statement. He said, listen, the safest place to be is in the will of God. As long as I... Hey, listen, I get there. I'm the custodian at the church. I clean the toilets, sweep, mop the floor. I got my Dogo Argentino with me now. I keep him with me. I'm trying to train him to be a protection dog. But I get there sometimes real early in the morning. I get out, and sometimes it's dark, and I'm in South Jackson. Now let me tell you something. I never get out of my truck that I don't feel the presence of Jesus with me. It's the safest place to be. Uh, yeah, talking about Adrian Rogers years ago, Sheila and I, we had the kids, we were, we were former IMB missionaries. And so we had the kids and we were going to uh, do a work in southern, southern England. And so uh, we got to Atlanta and we had four small children. They're running everywhere. We're trying to hang on to them. And, and uh, I'm frustrated because the IMB has put Sheila and I with about a three or four hour layover. Then we're flying a KLM flight. We're going to Amsterdam. We're going to have a layover there. And then we're flying to London. And I am not in a good mood. I told Sheila, I said, you'd think Southern Baptists would think a little bit more of us than this. But I went down and I felt uneasy. I was just nervous. This flight just made me nervous. Well, I went down, John, to look at the KLM flight. That plane looked like it had been flying for about 50 years. I mean, I was scared to death. I thought to myself, look at that old plane. I don't even think that thing get up off the ground. And then I went down to British Air. And that thing looked like it had just come off the assembly line. I mean, it was shining. It was getting ready to leave early. It was going straight to London where we needed to go. It wasn't going to have any layover. And I thought to myself, you know, God, why? Why? I was just nervous. So we get on this KLM flight. We settle down and we tell our kids, if you act up, well, you know. Because they had us scattered over the plane. 
And, and so uh, we, we settled down, and all of a sudden I said, Sheila, did you hear that? She said, what? I said, listen, do you hear that voice? Listen, that, listen to that voice. I mean, it's like the voice of God. I said, listen. And then finally I looked, and it was Adrian Rogers stowing his stuff up over us in the luggage rack. And then he went back there, and I thought, Sheila, we're safe now. We don't have nothing to worry about because God ain't going to take Adrian Rogers. And Joyce is with it. I mean, man, we're safe. You know, listen, you and I feel safe. And I did. I thought to myself, I thought, you know what? God, you're not going to let this, nothing's going to happen to this plane because Adrian Rogers is on this plane. No matter about Sheila and not our four kids, but Adrian Rogers and Joyce are on this plane. Oh, by the way, for all the parents, guess where Adrian Rogers sat? He and Joyce sat right in front of our two little boys. One of them's now a lawyer and another one's a chaplain at Baptist Hospital. But I walked back there and I'll never forget this. I said, boys... This is Adrian Rogers and his wife Joyce sitting in front of you. And if you push, shove that seat, I'm going to take you to the bathroom and I'm going to choke you. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When you're in the will of God, you're safe. Doesn't matter whether you're in South, it doesn't matter whether you're in South Jackson, it doesn't matter whether you're in Afghanistan. Our God is bigger than the Taliban. Our God can do whatever He wants to do. And let me tell you something. When you and I write in... My dad, my dad's here tonight. Him and his wife, Jane. My dad's 91 years old. And uh, my mom died a few years ago of throat cancer. And Jane's husband died a few years ago. And they met up. And in June, I married them. Uh, they, they, they've married. They're uh, 91. And then Jane, I'm not going to tell them your age. You're... <laughs> Jane made me an apricot nectar cake. Uh, it's out in the... Tr- I'm in the car, so I'm not going to say anything bad. But let me tell you something. My dad, my dad, I've watched my dad. He worked for NASA, an engineer with NASA, worked with NASA. I've watched my dad put figures, all kinds of things in his hand. If there was anything you could put in your hand tomorrow morning, it's just put those words, let us. You know, Lord, I don't want to do anything from now on that I don't know you're with me. I want to know that you're with me. Now the Bible says this in verse 36, it said, leaving the crowd behind. Let me ask you something. And let me tell you this. I had another sermon and God woke me up over and over again with this question for you. I mean, all night last night, I couldn't sleep. You know what God said? He said, ask them this question. What is He asking you to leave behind to follow Him? What is he asking you to leave back? How do you hang on to revival? Well, revival sometimes is letting go of some things that have been holding you back, right? So what will you have to leave behind to maintain revival? Is it the crowd? For young people, is it the crowd? Is it popularity? Is it acceptance? Is it a relationship? Is it a friendship? Hey, listen, is it a channel? Is it music? What does God want you to give up? What is God saying to you tonight? And what has He been saying over these last few nights? These are some things that I want you to remove from your life so that you can really... Let me tell you about missionaries. Missionaries travel light. And I'll never forget being a career missionary and, and getting rid of all our stuff. And Sheila would be back there. <laughs> I'd hear her in a 
And I'd finally go in there and say, Sheila, look, you're going out. You can't do this. I can't. I'll throw away anything. I mean, you know. And I'd go back there and she'd say, I just hate to see. And she'd be crying and say, Sheila, just leave. Let me do this. You know, missionaries learn how to travel light. We had to take a family of six, all our possessions down to four crates, four small wooden crates, a total of 800 cubic feet. Everything. To Africa. To Zimbabwe. We had to travel light. And I'll never forget the feeling, John, when the only thing we had was our van. We had the Astro van. You remember those? And we had a little sign and it says, I love Jesus, didn't it? Sheila said, I love Jesus, a little carving. And we put it up on the dash and we told our kids, wherever that carving is, that's home. And then we finally gave up the van. And I thought to myself, we don't even have a way to get to the airport. God's maybe asking you to give up some things to have the kind of revival that He wants you to continue to have. You know, I wrote this down. I think it's critical. In fact, I'd say put your spiritual antennas up real high. Let me tell you this. Right now, different godly men, as well as Matt, as well as this praise team, as well as this meeting tonight, has been fanning the flames. You know, that's what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy. He told Timothy, he said, fan the flame. You see, that's revival. And you can feel it. You can feel it. But let me tell you what will happen over time if we're not careful. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, Paul said, you and I have to be careful because if we're not, we'll quench what he said, we'll quench the Holy Spirit. Do you know what that means? That means you got this roaring fire going in your life. You remember Jesus said, I come to, he'll come, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit, right? Pentecost, cloven tongues of fire. The Holy Spirit is like fire inside of you and you're fanning it through the Word of God in the Bible, in prayer, in the fellowship of other believers. But then Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, if you're not careful and I'm not careful, Paul said, we can quench that. You know what that means? That means you take a wet blanket. It, the Greek is a beautiful language. It's, it's just a picture language. Taking a wet blanket, putting it on the fire, and all you've got is smoke. And let me ask you something. Does anybody like to be around smoke? And let me tell you, if it couldn't get worse, it does. Because you know what Paul said? Paul said in Ephesians 4.30, Paul said, if we're not careful, we begin to grieve the Holy Spirit. You know what the word grieve means? It means to cause the Holy Spirit to cry, to weep inside of you and I. So if there's anything that helps us to hang on to revival, it's that. Well, it's interesting, when you look at verse 37, what happens? It said a furious storm came up. Waves began to break over the boat so that they were nearly swamped. Was about to, they were about to drown. Let me tell you, this is the enemy. Let me tell you, what the, let me tell you what's going to happen tomorrow in hell. And don't you love where the sons of Sceva were trying to cast out? You remember they're trying to cast out the demons? And all of a sudden, the, you remember the demons answered and said, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who are you? And they ran out and the demons were chasing them. Don't you want a reputation in hell? 
Man, I love some mornings. Sheila, Sheila will say this. Some mornings when I'm getting up and I'm leaving, going into South Jackson, Sheila will make this statement. She'll say, I figure that in hell right now, they're going, oh no, he's up. <laughs> but let me tell you, hell is having a meeting. And hell right now is having a meeting, and it'll be having a meeting tomorrow, and it's basically, basically to do this. Satan wants to disassemble and destroy everything that is happening in your life right now and in the life of this church. You can get ready for it. The greatest lesson, though, that I've learned is this. And I want you to hear me because I'm not going to keep you long. They get in the middle of this storm because of where they're going. They're going to the Gadarean. They're going to a man possessed by a demonic army. They're going to the Gadarean. They're going to the enemy's territory. And Jesus is on his way to the enemy's territory. And guess what? Let me tell you, Satan stirs up the storm. In fact, in Mark 1, when Jesus, you know what he told the demons in Mark chapter 1? He said, muzzle it, shut it up, be quiet. Do you know what he does in Mark 4? He uses the exact same language with the storm. He says, shut it up. Literally what he's saying is, muzzle it. Why? Because of where they were going. Let me tell you what I've learned you don't hear anything else. You don't hear anything else tonight. I want you to hear this. You can't get to the broken without going through a storm. Let me tell you something. If you want your life to count, if you want to make a difference for the kingdom of God, I watched a special, a biography, a special on Michael Vick, and I knew at a certain point that Tony Dungy would come up, and Tony Dungy said, every man deserves another chance. And Tony Dungy went into the life of Michael Vick, who had been caught up in dog fighting, and literally began to pour the gospel into this former quarterback. I love the story. Jim Baker, the one who had found it PTL years ago. This has been years ago. Some of you young people will not know it. It was a TV ministry that went horribly wrong. He got caught up with women, caught up with, uh, with embezzlement. It was just horrible. And the federal government decided to make a, they decided to make an example out of Jim Baker. And I'll never forget this. He comes into the jury, he comes into the courtroom. This once preacher that had preached to millions. And he's got these chains on his hands and his feet. And he's coming in like this. They, they give him a maximum sentence. And they put him in prison. Jim Baker said that one day, he was down on his knees and he was, he was cleaning around the toilet. He said he, was, he just smelled. He smelled of pine saw. He, he was down on his knees. He was working. And the guard came in and the guard said, uh, Hey, Baker, you got a visitor. Jim Baker said this. He said, Oh, God, I don't want nobody. The guard said, you, you probably won't see this. Jim Baker said he went in. His clothes were all sweaty, grinding, he said he felt so ashamed. And he said all of a sudden, he said he walked in there was Billy Graham. Billy Graham stood up, walked over, wrapped his arms around Jim Baker and said, Jim, 
Ruth Bell and I just want you to know we love you. Pray for I figured I'd ruin this. <laughs> I do not like these. This is not working. This is not working either. Is it working? Okay. Now I feel like I gotta sing instead of preach. <laughs> Let me tell you, there are all kinds of broken people. And you and I, when God begins to do something in our life, God begins to say to the First Baptist Church of Flora, God begins to say to you and I, where you go to school, where you go to the office, where you work in the factory, where you work in the hospital, there are people that are afraid and they are more open to the gospel than they've ever been before. And the only way to get to broken people is you're going to have to go through the storm to get there. And let me tell you something. God's will is exciting. John, I, I, our senior adults are a strange bunch in some ways, but our senior adults, we, we were having a little luncheon. God is my witness. And, and I was back in the kitchen, and I looked out there, and they were kind of gathering up around one table, and I thought, well, I wonder what they're looking at. I mean, they were just enthralled. And I, and, and I went over there, and one of our senior adults had just bought her a 38, hammerless 38, and she was holding this pistol up. And I thought to myself, only in the inner city. She was so proud of this. She said, Brother Jeff, you just, you, this, I love this gun. I tell you, I'm so glad to get this gun. I said, I, her name was Jackie. I said, Jackie, please put that back in your purse. Baptist Children's Village, David and Debbie Lott, who are just great friends and dear people, have just retired from the Baptist Children's Village. They've moved into South Jackson. Last week she was telling us that when they moved into this house, there were people that were shooting the guns and firing weapons and everything else. And, and, and this former employee of the Baptist Children's Village walked out there and she said, Hey boys, load them up and move them out. And let me tell you, she was talking to the vice lords, the crips, and anybody else. It didn't matter. She wasn't intimidated at all. God's will is the safest place to be. Secretary one day said, uh, Brother Jeff, there's somebody at the door and I'm afraid. And there was this big African-American man. He was intimidating. He had been shot in the face at some point in his past. Jackson police called him Super Vice Lord. I knew he was packing it's not unusual for people to come into the church packing. I knew that he was packing a weapon. He came in, we sat down on a pew, and I began to just talk to him and encourage him, and he finally broke down. He began to weep. Forty-five minutes I spoke to him and shared Christ. That man eventually gave his life to Christ. When he left, he said, Brother Jeff, he said, I was on my way to kill four people when God told me to stop here. His story was carried on the Washington uh, Post coming out of Southside, and I went and, and carried him with me to Morrison Heights. He had all the red, had all the gang stuff on, and I'm thinking to myself, Greg is going to throw me out of this church. And I said, These, and, and the, seat, the, first, the first sermon, the first service was predominantly senior adult 
And I'll never forget this young man who was so intimidating. This young man. The senior adults lined up, wrapped around to finally Greg said, y'all are going to have to move out. We got another service. Let me say this, and I'll close in a moment. If you're going to have revival, if God is going to do something in your heart, in your life, then God's will becomes the most critical thing you're going to seek after. God, every day, I want to live, I want to serve you. God may ask you to do something that may seem strange. I want you to hear me and I'll close. Give me just five minutes and I'll close. First of all, if you and I will stay in the will of God, if we will not quench the Holy Spirit, if we will not grieve God's Holy Spirit, if we'll continue to fan in the flames, if what God has done this week, if you and I will continue to work on, continue to do, let me tell you, God's going to reveal Himself. Do you remember? Think about it. The disciples in the middle of a storm saw a revelation of Jesus Christ they had never seen before. Let me tell you, when you and I begin to live in the center of God's will and do it and obeying Him, then God begins to reveal Himself in ways you've never experienced before. Years ago, listen, I was, on, I was kayaking on the buffalo. I was by myself and... Uh, and one day I got up early and I was out on the Buffalo River and, I, and there was this rock. It was like a chair, John. It was just like a chair. It's like a, somebody had carved out a chair. And I'll never forget, I walked up there and I sat on that armrest and everything and I sat there. God is my witness. God began to say, I want you to do something for me. You're a former U.S. Army chaplain. You're a former Southern Baptist missionary. I want you to do something. I want you to go to every state, and I want you to walk around every capital, and I want you to walk seven times around each capital, and I want you to pray for every state and pray for Washington, D.C. You know what I told God? Because I came home with post-traumatic stress. I struggled with anxiety. I struggled with panic. I said, God, I can't do it. You get, get you somebody else. I can't do it. Finally, I told the church what God had led me to do, and they said, listen, we're, we're behind you. We, we'll, we'll go with you. We'll, we'll, we'll support you any way we can. So I set out, and I began to go. When I got to Topeka, Kansas, I, I literally did not want to go to Topeka because in Topeka, Kansas, my mom had a nervous breakdown, my grandfather who came died in my bed. And so I was thinking, God, there's just so much and so much anxiety. God, I don't want to go to Topeka. And let me tell you what happened. I was carrying this Bible right here. I got out to walk around the Capitol, the building, and to pray. And immediately, a young man got up and he began to just spew profanity, cursing me with everything in him. And he would follow me around. I'd come around and he'd meet me. He'd follow me around a certain point and then he'd come back and he'd meet me. The third, the third time, I said, God, I mean, I was so anxious. I said, God, I can't do this. God, I can't do this. I mean, I was crying. God, I don't want to do this. God, I'm getting ready to leave. God is my witness. When I made the third round, there was an African-American woman with braided hair that just came down her back. She had a white shirt that I've, a t-shirt that I've never seen that white. 
she had a gold cross across that t-shirt and the sun was just glimmering off of it. And I walked by her. I walked by her and that young man who had harassed and cursed all the time I had walked those three times so far, he didn't say a word. It's like he muscled it. And I walked that fourth round and, and, and I'd go by her and look at her and she was an intimidating, a, a, a big a big woman. And, and, I, and I went around the fifth time and finally by the sixth time I didn't see this young man. He had left. And I went around the sixth time and then I went around the seventh time. When I came around the seventh time, God is my witness. She looked at me. She nodded. That's all she did. She nodded. I took, I probably walked from here to, to where you are and I turned around and looked, and she was gone. Let me tell you why revival is important. Because when God begins to burn in your heart, and he begins to get you walking so close to him, that he can ask you to just do anything. And you don't shy away anymore. You're not intimidated, you're not afraid, you're not worried, you're not bothered, you don't care. It doesn't matter whether some guy's packing and getting ready to shoot four people. It doesn't matter whether, hey, listen, over and over and over again. I got to Juneau, Alaska. I walked into First Baptist Church of Juneau, Alaska, and the pastor was dying of cancer. But his wife, they took me to eat, and his wife looked at me, and she said, you're the fourth one. I said, what? She said, you're the fourth one. You're the fourth one that God said walked every capital and pray over this country. And this was in 2013, 2014, 2015, those three summers. Let me ask you something. Do you think God was not burdened over America? Let me ask you something. Young people, what's God calling you to do? What's God's will for your life? First of all, to be saved. I mean, to give your life to Christ. Nothing should keep you from that. These are definitely not the times that you want to play around with that. Lord, I want to know that I'm saved. I preached here years ago. And to be honest with you, when I got ready, I leaned over to Sheila. And I was sitting over here. And I told Sheila, I said, uh, Sheila, when, this, when the invitation's over, because I'm sick. I've been sick since 1994. I take medicine every day. My time in Africa, my time overseas, just about, he sent me to Mayo Clinic, and I've been sick ever since. God doesn't say his will will be easy. But I was sitting over there, and I told Sheila, I said, Sheila, I said, as soon as the invitation's over with, I want to go. And about that time, the pastor, his daughter, came down the aisle and gave her life to Christ. I'm here to tell you that God has a will and a purpose and a plan for every single person in this room. Every senior adult, listen to me. The most influential person in my life looked like this. She was an 89-year-old grandmother. Her hands were twisted and gnarled. Her elbows like this. She moved around like this. She turned sideways to look at me. When I went to Africa, she prayed over me. 
She died five weeks after I got to Africa, but the influence and the impact of her life, do not discount, senior adult, your ability to pray. To pray. I want you to stand. Heads bowed and with eyes closed and nobody looking around, just take just a moment and ask John to come up here and stand. And I'm not, listen, I've been preaching so long in South Jackson, I don't, I don't try to manipulate anything. I don't want to do anything that, and I don't want you to do anything that God wouldn't have you to do. But first of all, I want to say to you, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you do not know for certain if you died. Listen, listen. I think we're closer to the second coming of Christ than we've ever been. You couldn't pay me to leave here today and not know that I'm a Christian. And you say, well, I don't know. Then I want to encourage you to come down this aisle and take John's hand. Just simply say, John, I don't know, but I want to know. Some of you may need to rededicate, recommit your life. This has been an unbelievable week, but you need to make a personal commitment to Christ to begin to sell out to Him. Some of you young people, some of you here today, God's calling you into ministry. There's somebody in this room God's called to ministry. There's somebody in this room I believe God's called to the mission field. I want to pray for you, and then Matt, you lead us, and John, you take this and do what you will. Let me pray for you. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to you, and Lord, we love you, and we praise you. Lord, we've laughed, and we've, Lord, we've done some deep thinking. Lord, I pray, dear Lord, for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. I pray, dear Lord, today that what you've begun this week, that Lord, it will just grow and grow and grow. I pray, dear Lord, that they'll look back over their life and they'll say, you know that, you remember that revival? I pray that children one day will look back at their dad and say, Dad, you remember, do you remember at First Baptist Flora in 2021, in the middle of the pandemic, when John Daniels had that revival? Dad, do you remember those different men that came and maybe a son or a daughter now grown looks and says, Dad, I... I saw a change in you. Mom, I, I saw a change in you. Could it be the people that go into the office this next tomorrow and the days to come that somebody would look and say, you look different. There's just something different about you. May we be able to say what my wife said. She was a widow at 18. She had been in an abusive relationship, married to a guy on drugs, and he was murdered. And people sometimes look at my wife and they'll look at her and they'll say, what is it about you, Sheila? And she'll just smile and say, it's Jesus. So Lord, I pray that, dear Lord, that right now that people would come, people maybe come to this altar, say, Lord, I'm selling out to you tonight. I want to make a commitment. Dads, moms, grandparents, senior adults, may never be a moment when God speaks this clear. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.